All right, everybody, welcome back to the Dragon's Library. So today, we just I just finished watching season two of The Witcher. And what a way to start off 2022. Jeez, I forgot how much I enjoyed this show. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I actually haven't reviewed Witcher season one. I might go back and do a retro review of it if I feel like it, but probably not. I just don't think I'm going to have time. So I'm just going to assume everyone's seen Witcher 1. Uh, season one. If you haven't seen Witcher, The Witcher season one, it's a show on Netflix. If you have Netflix, go ahead and binge these two seasons. They're pretty good. I'd actually say season two is better on average. Probably. It's a bit more coherent, um, which is nice. So let's get into this. This is the start of the non-spoiler section. There aren't going to be any spoilers for season two right now. You will see some stuff for season one. So if you haven't seen that yet, go ahead and go watch that. Okay. Okay. Alrighty, where to begin? So season two picks up right where season one left off. The battle, the you know, the major battle where Yennefer burned the entire army dash. Uh, what was it? The Battle of Sodden. And uh, Geralt, you know, Yennefer's suddenly lost her magic. Uh, Geralt has found Ciri after a whole season of that nonsense. Oh, and we don't have to deal with the timeline jumping back and forth between the past and present randomly at times, which is really weird because, like, half the characters don't age, so there's really almost no way of determining where you are in the time period, unless the bard is in the story, because then the best way to determine is, does he look older? Because he's, like, the only recurring character that really ages effectively, which is really weird. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. Now, for those of you who don't know, The Witcher is in kind of a weird place for me because I've been exposed to it in basically every form except for its main uh, source. So, originally, these were a series of books written by Lauren Schmidt Hisrich. Hisrich. Um, and so, these books were eventually adapted into uh, three different video games. I'm currently in the middle of trying to play through the first. It's a long, old-style PC RPG. So, you know, one of those ones that just goes on forever and ever. Currently in Act 3, uh, working on that for a video game review. So, look for that in the, in the future. I'm going to be doing all three Witcher games because I've never played them before. And I've heard the third one's really good. But I'm the kind of person who can't play a game unless they played all the sequel, all the predecessing games. Or it's a reboot, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, I need context for my gaming. <laughs> anyway, these books were adapted into video games, and then Netflix decided to also adapt them into um, a TV show. So it's one of the first things that was adapted into a video game before it was adapted into TV, which is kind of cool. The first season was based on The Last Wish and The Sword of Destiny. Uh, the second season was A Grain of Truth and Blood of the Elves, and then the very beginning of Time of Contempt. Haven't read any of these. I've heard good things from some of my... Some of the people I've worked with at Barnes & Noble. But, you know, all in all, I've heard pretty good things about them. I've heard they're a bit, like, fanfic-y, but they're overall pretty interesting world. One of the things I actually just found out in this series, though, like, some context about the Witcher's world, is that humans aren't actually native to this setting. So, a few thousand years ago, from what I've gathered... There was this massive cataclysmic event in this world. Before the event, before the cataclysm, the elves and dwarves and a bunch of other races, many of whom have died out at this point, uh, you know, at the point the story takes place, used to live on this plane. But then a bunch of portals opened up and humanity, along with a bunch of monsters, spewed out into this world. Uh, humanity had 
were basically refugees fleeing during this cataclysm from their own dying or destroyed worlds. And the monsters were, you know, multiplying like crazy. Human mages uh, would enslave them and use them to conquer massive territory. So humans created these mutagenic uh, witchers created using like el- elder bloods, which are really powerful elven mages. Uh, blood, they used, you know, willing blood and stuff like that in order to create superhumans to fight off the monsters and kill them. However, as humanity became, began to spread, they eventually started oppressing the elves and set off this long running war with them. And it was just kind of interesting. It's like, oh, so a world where humans aren't, you know, just like the native inhabitants and the elves have like justify, the elves and dwarves justifiably feel oppressed by the humans who kind of just came in and took everything. It's like, it's an interesting idea for a setting. You don't see that often. The humans, um, being non-native to the fantasy world isn't usually something that happens in the world. And I've always just, I just found that really interesting when that was revealed. Um, again, I know I probably should have already known this, but I'm not, I'm trying to get to the first game right now. So I'm not exactly well caught up on the Witcher's world. It is a really cool world, though. You have a lot of different, you know, unique and clever monsters. One of the first ones we run into is this big old tree thing that has some really good effects. The monster's effects are hit and miss. There's this gargoyle thing that had some eh, CGI. But some most of the monster's CGI effects, I would say, are really good, especially for a TV show. Uh, the fight scenes are well choreographed, and Henry Cavill is acting his ass off in this. Seriously. The guy played Superman, which was a thankless role in the DC Universe. Look, I've made my opinion on DC Universe very well known, with the exception of Wonder Woman and Shazam. That was a dumpster fire. But Henry Cavill is doing his best here. Uh, playing Geralt or Revere, and I remember the joke online is he's trying to carry the role with as few syllables as possible. <laughs> it's like, that's fair, but this is also Geralt. The, hmm. This is, this is the man who is basically the world, hmm embodied in a human being okay so he's doing a really good job here i think he's a good fit for the role you have siri who's this magical possibly destructive prophet um child possibly a reborn elder blood or whatever that is i'm still trying to learn what the heck's going on in the plot because it seems like all the characters are drawing from books that i don't have uh all in all very interesting Let's see, what else? Um, oh, Yennefer's back. I actually like her struggle to cope with the loss of her magic. Because in the first series, she was basically like the most OP character in the, you know, OP character. She was a majorly powerful witch. After she went through with her treatment, which cost her her ability to have children, she gained like untold magical power and beauty. And she was essentially just ridiculously OP. I mean, she literally burned an entire army to death. But she's now dealing with the backlash of using so much magic, which is she no longer has magic. So she's constantly trying to, you know, fight off things. Like, everybody's like, Yennefer, just kill it. Kill it with magic. It's like, I don't have magic anymore. It's like, I, I like that. I like that dynamic. I like when you give a, take a mage who is, like, usually like the most, you know, the giant glass cannon who can blast everything into oblivion. And you just strip them of their powers. Because it's... It's a way for you to grow as a character. And then the desperation she feels to try and get that magic back leads to her making some very Yennefer-ish decisions like she did in the first season or to get rid of her hunch and lisp and her, you know, to get rid of her appearance and change her appearance to something more conventionally attractive. She gave up something she wasn't thinking about and now she's going to almost do the same thing again. I don't want to spoil it. I'm just going to say it's very interesting how they build on her flaws from the previous season, have her go ahead and try and make other rash decisions just like she did in the first 
first one. Um, I kind of like her character, actually. I was a little unsure in the first season, but I do really like where they've gone with her. Uh, Geralt is now trying to care for Sindri, you know, uh, so which is really interesting. I like the kind of dynamic he has with her, which he's grown very protective of this girl he didn't want at all because he made a very stupid decision. And then at the end of the season, we get like just the plot twist to end all plot twists. And I'm like, oh, that thinks that's like, it answers so many, like, it's not one of those plot twists that makes you go like, wait, what? It makes you go, oh my gosh, everything makes so much sense. What the heck is going to happen now? Honestly, it was one of the best season ends I've seen in a while. Good on The Witcher for hooking us for a season three. Netflix, you better give it to them. Uh, sorry, Netflix is a bad habit of canceling series right when they're getting really good. But, um, yeah. Anyway, what else? I think about it. Effects are good. Actors are all doing great. Yennefer and, uh, you know, Yennefer's actor. What's her actor's name? Do, 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 do. Yennefer, Yennefer. Anya Chalatra? Anya Chalatra? Yeah, she's good. Um, I think Freya Alan, she's playing Siri. She's great. Oh, we get to see the bard again. He's doing well. Nice. They also really have that center of, hey, yeah, Siri's a really important person who a lot of people were going after, and this is setting off a massive cascade, but this is a lot of other p- political and scheming stuff. There are a lot of side characters, kings and sorcerers who are plotting in the background. Uh, you know, the, uh, was the White Flame is trying to conquer the, conquer the continent they're after Siri for very mysterious reasons and they draw everyone's attention to her and it's all very very interesting I like that the main character one of the main characters Siri is sort of the focal point of the plot but all the other characters are just other people reacting to her powers being discovered or whatever which was set in motion by this long-standing empire growing in the south against the northern kingdoms and it's, it's basically building on the politics stuff just you know general good storytelling stuff all in all, really liked it, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, this is basically where I give you an overall view of it. So I'd say this is like a 9 out of 10. It's one of Netflix's better fantasy shows. Uh, they're very much trying to be Game of Thrones. Just I'm just saying they're very much trying to be Game of Thrones right now. It's I think it's pretty much working. There are some really good scenes here. Very threatening, menacing characters. You know, all of them have their own agendas. Everyone's scheming in the background. I like it. All in all, I really like it. Let's see. Yeah, I guess it's a 9 out of 10. Definitely a 9 out of 10. Okay, moving on to spoiler section. If you don't want to hear any spoilers, tune out now. Because holy shit, is there a really big spoiler coming in? 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You were warned. The White Flame, the emperor that conquered the entire southern kingdoms, is Ciri's dad. From the first season, the one uh, who offered Geralt something and he claimed the law of surprise and it happened to be Ciri's life. That's what happened. He's the emperor. And I'm like, what the fuck? What happened? How did he, did he get banished or something? What is going on here? I'm so confused. Because I had assumed he died or something a while back, uh, just like Ciri's mother. And that's why, you know, Ciri was being raised by her grandmother and stuff. But this raises like, 20 new questions. What the heck happened to him? How did he end up conquering the entire southern lands? Why did he murder the entire kingdom he used to be, you know, the king of? Because he was married to his wife, who was the queen at one point. 
what the hell happened here? I am so confused. But at the same time, it's a confusion that makes me go like, oh, that answers a lot of questions, though. Because, see, there's this, the, the reveal right before they reveal it. Geralt's talking to Ciri after they banished this demon that was trying to control her for her powers. And he's asking, now the whole world's after you. But it started with that king. It started with, um, oh, God, what, what's the kingdom's name? I keep saying it. Uh, the kingdoms, blah, blah, blah. blah. Nilfgaard, that's it, Nilfgaard. Um, and so he, they were wondering, so how did Nilfgaard know about you before anyone else? Because it was Nilfgaard and then her destroying the Mobilisk and them all chasing after her that made everybody go like, hey, wait a second, why did an empire raise an entire kingdom to the ground only to go after this one little girl who, yeah, she has a right to the throne, but it's a right to a throne they've of a piece of land they've already conquered. They don't really need her anymore. So what's this special power? And it led to a lot of other people investigating Siri and figuring out she had these weird abilities that allowed her to, like, open gateways and stuff. And we'll get to Siri's powers in a second. But the reveal that, it, oh, it was her father, oh, so he might have been, he wasn't even really after her for her abilities. He was after her because he wants his daughter back, which is... Interesting on several different levels. So, you know, that was cool. Um, I actually really like that because it answers questions in a logical way that's still a surprise because we had made assumptions about him. Which I love. I love when stories do this. Because a lot of other stories and just a lot of movies in general will like making twists that are really kind of dumb just for the sake of a shock factor. And they don't put enough thought into it. I feel like the people writing this have, or I guess they're following the book. So the people, the person who wrote the books clearly actually thought about their twist enough to make it a reasonable, understandable twist with, you know, actual logic behind it. I know that's baseline good writing, but not everyone does that. So it's nice to see that here. Let me know if uh, the books are different. I'd very much like to know about that. Uh, just like, cause I've never read the books and I always do like to know how accurate something is as an adaptation. I might have to go read them eventually too. You know, I've heard enough good things. This is really good show. I might just read the books because this has definitely made me interested in them. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, uh, so another good thing about this, the second season, the time skipping has finally stopped. I know I mentioned that earlier, but it's so relieving to not have to keep up with that because the main thing dragging down the first season was that it was so confusing. I had to rewatch it three times in order to piece together what order everything is happening because in every episode you'd have like one one thing from the really long time ago, a piece from Yennefer's childhood, a piece from like Yennefer in the future talking with Geralt, a piece of Ciri in her time period, which is supposed to be like the contemporary present, and then maybe a piece of Geralt from the present. And you'd have like five different time periods competing for space. And they just didn't label them. Like, there's no label of what year this takes place in. You know, under a lot of them. Like, seriously, all they really would have had to do to make that more coherent is have, like, a year pop up with, you know, one of those little, this is the place and this is the year. I think that would have made things a lot better. But, luckily, this new season isn't trying to juggle multiple time periods. It's all contemporary. And as a result, it's um, not, you know, it doesn't feel as confused. It feels like a lot more pro, uh, proactive. 
In addition, I really liked the God. What was the other mage character who allies with the elves? I loved that. I love how the th- two of them had their the elf leader because the elves uh, ally with Nilfgaard, um, because both them and one of the mage leaders. Oh God, what's her name? Uh, I'm trying to figure out what it is. Uh, I'll get back to it anyway. She comes up and her and Yennefer get captured by the elves and they have like a spirit vision together of this demon who poses as people from their dreams and convinces them to take what is theirs because she feeds on pain and suffering. Yennefer is the only one who realizes it's a trap, but she still eventually falls for her lure of seduction because Yennefer's lost her powers and she feels so helpless. And eventually the demon convinces her that if she brings Ciri to her, she can restore her magic, which in a weird way kind of happens. Yennefer gets cold feet at the last moment, but the demon gains a foothold in her mind and uses Ciri to break down a um, one of the obelisks uh, inside the witcher's home of Morden after killing a bunch of them in their sleep. It turns out the demon just wanted to go home. The pillars are basically physical gateways, and Ciri has the ability to open those gateways to other places. However, when they do that, they see this group called the Wild Hunt. They're arbiters of destruction or something like that. And they were telling Siri to join them. Apparently she's an elder blood, like maybe an artificially created one or something. It's very unclear. There was a lot of creepy stuff going on with her birth where she was supposed to be a warrior leading to humanity's ruin. The elves have found out she's an elder blood, which might help them with their, uh, a lot of their problems and be a prophesized warrior to guide them. Humans could use her to call in monsters to be used as weapons, maybe even do some crazy things. She apparently has the potential to be a really powerful mage according to Yennefer. She's basically either a weapon, a warrior, an idol. She's the daughter of that emperor. She's a lot of things to a lot of people, and everyone wants her for their own reasons. Some people want her to secure the right. There are kings who want her caught alive so that she can be wed to a king in order to secure the land that, you know, is her birthright. Other people want her for the weird magical abilities. Some, you know, the emperor wants her because he's his daughter and he might have darker plans for her after that. And then there are people like the demon, the wild hunt, who clearly want her for her abilities to pull in people from other worlds. Which is interesting. I like that not, it's not like everyone's like, Oh, yes, we must have the magic MacGuffin. It's like, oh, no, no, no. You can't... She's not MacGuffin because she actually means different things to different people. If she wasn't who she is, everyone wouldn't be after her, essentially. And she has her own agency and goals in this. She wants to return to her homeland. She wants to get revenge on the knights who... You know, the knight who captured her and killed her family. She's questioning why she was never told about all of this. I just really like Siri. Siri and Jennifer, honestly, both great. Hemi Cavill's doing a great job as uh, Geralt. Vesemir was fun. He was, you know, fun, like, old, retired witcher. He's the oldest in them all. One of his main uh, goals is that since Siri's an elder blood, they find out because of these flower- magic flowers that only grow where elder blood has been spilled. And apparently elder blood was using the creation of the first mutagens that turned that created witchers and their old mutagen factory was destroyed a long time ago so with her blood they could essentially make more mutagens and make more witchers which is good because witchers are dying and they're not being made so monster hunting is getting more and more dangerous that kind of thing um i do need to go watch witcher the witcher nightmare of the wolf which has a uh, young vesemir which is gonna be cool i need to go watch that i've heard good things all in all, I really like this. 
it's a fun, unique fantasy world that has a lot from other things, but the elves aren't necessarily the same elves you'll find in, like, Tolkien. The dwarves are, of course, you know, the stocky uh, for- forgemen and craftsmen and warriors. They're pretty stereotypical. The elves are a bit less stereotypical, which I kind of like. Humans are basically assholes across the board, but we're in Game of Thrones territory here, so that's, like, not a surprise at all. Uh, the monster designs are really cool. We have this weird tree thing that killed one of the witchers and turned it into, like, an extension of their being. And then when they go fight, it's immediately killed by, like, this weird skeletal centipede goat thing. Which, even the witchers are like, what the hell is this? Because it turns out it's one of the monsters Siri pulled in from another world. Uh, they have this weird gargoyle demon thing. All in all, just, like, these really cool monster designs I really like. Ugh, fast, Fantastic. Uh, the wyvern-like creatures at the end were also really cool. Uh, all in all, I like that about The Witcher. I, Yeah, that, that's probably the one flaw I'd have to give. The one flaw for the season is we don't get as much Monster of the Week things. We only have, like, one or two episodes that are devoted to Geralt goes to a place and kills a monster, as opposed to, like, the multiple, uh, you know, individual things we had last time where Geralt was cu- killing multiple different types of monsters. Um, I liked that. I liked seeing Geralt, you know, being a witcher, going out, just slaying a monster or two. We have less individual monster buildings and more, like, for the plot, essentially. Or, like, a monster attacks them. It's not Geralt going to a village saying, hey, you got any monster problems? I'm looking for work as a witcher. And I liked that. I liked seeing Geralt, like, on the job, going, doing his monster hunter thing. Which is why the games are a lot based off, in my, uh, from what I've played so far. It's a lot less main plot line and more like, hey, you got any jobs? Oh, yeah, I'll kill this for you. <laughs> all in all, really good series. Could be minor improvements, but it's definitely improved from the first season. I look forward to seeing them uh, continue to improve as they go forward. So, yeah. Uh, I guess I'll see you guys next time. If you'd like to support me, you can check this out. Check out my YouTube channel, or if you're watching on YouTube, you can go check out my pod page. Uh, you'll find all of my links in the description. I will also be... Uh, restarting my Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Nuzlocke because I got wiped. So look forward to that new start on the Saturday. Hope I don't lose Chimchar immediately again this time. I'm going to try and be a bit more careful. So, uh, yeah. See you guys next time. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and thank you for listening to the Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week. And you can follow us on Twitter at dragon underscore library two. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. And as always, thank you so much for all your support.